All right. So um, we have a guest, um, someone who I've never spoken to, not for, <laughs> what is it, uh, almost 100 episodes of Trilogy and Theory we've done web. So we're going to do this awkward exchange where I actually have to edit your words. I have to make decisions on how much web content I want to give <laughs> the people of projecting film. You know, I, I do so much of the uh, the editing that I do on Trilogy and Theory I have to constantly get rid of a little uh and ums that I and I feel bad. I'm like I'm 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 depriving people of more of <laughs> us that you know very well could be in there. And but I, there's a weird perfectionist in me that I was like, no, the 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 product that I want to send out to everybody should be pristine. And and I think the perfect encapsulation mm. of that was one of our recent episodes in which I couldn't think of the word motif. And I had to edit out the complete, like, mess up. But you made me put in the outtake. So it's a little glimpse into how I see our podcast and how I edit them. I just wanted the point for coming up with the word. That's I just wanted it on the record. So, yeah, stick stick with that episode till the end and you get to hear my, my victory. Someone once told me that the reality I thought I knew was just one of many. Careful which path you travel down. Stronger than you have lost their way. You think there will be no consequences? We're in the end game now. I sacrificed everything. And it meant nothing. Oh, strange. What have you done? I never meant for this to happen. Cannot control everything. You brought this on yourself. You break the rules and become a hero. I do it and I become the enemy. This doesn't seem fair. Strange! Go, go, go! Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So... I originally was going to uh, just do something for Doctor Strange, which um, I don't really know why, uh, because it's one of those things as a movie podcaster where you can make the assumption, I think rightfully so, like, well, everyone that's interested in listening to a movie podcast presumably watched Doctor Strange this weekend. Uh, the counterpoint to that is it means that everyone who's interested in movie podcasts probably already subscribes to 50 that will be covering <laughs> it, so they're not going to be looking for anything new. So I don't know if this is a great uh, you know, uh, promotional tour for Trilogy in Theory. But the other side of this is we have another movie about the multiverse and everything everywhere all at once, which is a hell of a title from A24, but they've managed to successfully... I think cross over into the, the mainstream, at least from my sort of anecdotal experience and based on the financial numbers, I think it's going to end up being their, their biggest uh, success. Um, very different takes on the multiverse web. And I know, I know you're excited about everything everywhere. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Dr. Strange. So since, you know, I can see all the graphic <laughs> novels behind you, all the collections and hardcovers, I know you're a big comic book guy, and if anyone listening to this has listened to Trilogy in Theory, they'll know that as well. But I never know how you're going to respond to 
I guess the Marvel Cinematic Universe proper. I'm not going to bring in DC because they're they're all over the place. But since the MCU has such a uh, standard sort of style, no matter what filmmaker, I'm interested uh, in your thoughts if you think that Sam Raimi was able to break out of that a little bit, if you enjoyed this version, this adventure with Doctor Strange. Um, and then we can go to all the nice things you want to say about the A24 joint as a good, you know, film Twitter user, you can, <laughs> you'll, you'll say nothing wrong about that film. So what were your thoughts on Dr. Strange and the, uh, multiverse? I of think Madness? that all MCU films, I go into them knowing that I'm going to enjoy them on some level. If it's just going to be even popcorn entertainment, it's just kind of like the expected result that, that I've got. It's like going to a fast food joint, you know what you're getting. And very quick, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the Doritos of cinema. <laughs> Sam Raimi has been reduced to this. <laughs> no, no. But here's the thing: uh, what you mentioned about uh, is there enough Raimi in this? I think there is a good amount of Raimi within the framework of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that there is a good uh, amount of it that will uh, please a lot of his longtime fans. I mean, don't go to Doctor Strange expecting a pure Sam Raimi film. First of all, you're going to have to watch all of WandaVision if you really want to appreciate what's happening. Man, okay. So, I thought Doctor Strange 2 was decidedly okay. <laughs> okay to bad. <Ooh. laughs> Which is, you know what... That's not <laughs> on Letterbox. That would be like a two point five for okay. me. Okay. Um, I don't think that's outside of the, the MCU range for me. That I think most <laughs> of them are okay. To bad. <laughs> the problem I had with probably the film on its own uh, is, you, you know, when you get into the magic stuff, even as a comic book reader, I was never into the sort of mystical side of the characters. And we're talking about, I don't know, maybe I'm just dumb. It's like. Guy uh, is an explosion turns into a green monster when he he rage quits. Go, <laughs> <laughs> like I got it. But I do get the sneaking suspicion that in this world of nonsense, that when we get into the Sorcerer Supreme, that it's like I never have a firm grasp on what their powers are, what their deficiencies are. It just seems, and the film has got that in spades. It's just weird lights. It's a weird rave <laughs> show that Doctor Strange is at with other magicians. And, like, until someone falls down, I don't know how or why uh, someone will win or lose the fight. I know that's probably a silly complaint, but, you know, when the Hulk gets angry, he gets strong. And he can't control himself. Uh, Spider-Man, you could say, like, the, the, the webbing. You know, he could, in the, the old days, he could lose his webbing. And... Also, you know, he had the, the family obligations, usually a girlfriend or an old aunt uh, that was in peril, that sort of thing. I have no idea when it comes to the Scarlet Witch, Doctor Strange, uh, when there's a sequence early on where it looks like a thousand Harry Potters um, suit up and have their little glow sticks in front of them. And then all of a sudden, Doctor Strange says she's going to get in their minds. And it's like, oh, so the glow, the glow sticks don't matter. Why didn't she do that to begin with? It is it is stupid because this is all spectacle. So don't think about it too much. But when you brought up WandaVision, I actually – I'd never seen WandaVision. I think I watched the first episode when it oh, released. Oh, shit. And I thought, oh, that's kind of a – that's a cute uh, conceit. It's good. That's Disney Plus. Way to go. 
uh, clearly it didn't grab me enough to watch more than one episode. Even that I thought was good and fun. I'm like, all right, I enjoyed that. I don't need eight hours. Boy. Of it. <laughs> but for this, I Friday night and Saturday morning, I just watched WandaVision as one really long movie. And you're absolutely right. Like this, this feels like the finale ish yeah. to WandaVision. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that web. I don't know if I'm com like, this is already a big ask of the population. And now you have to watch like eight hours of a streaming series. To, I'm, I was like, Jesus Christ. I have to watch like uh, Falcon and winter soldier. Like I didn't, th I don't think so. I think I watched black widow and it was okay. But how much, how much investment do they want me to have into their new streaming service? And Disney's answer would be, yeah, you need to watch all of it. Of course. I think it, it's going to depend. I, I think this is, um, I think it's going to depend Okay, because okay. With Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, at the end of Endgame, you know, you've got Anthony Mackie. Now he's Captain America. And Falcon Winter Soldier, at the beginning of the show, he's like, oh, I don't know if I am. And by the end of the show, he's like, yeah, I am. So I think that, that, that's – Thanks. We just had that <laughs> yes. out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's very superfluous. <laughs> WandaVision is actually uh, kind of the conclusion of the Wanda character and her eventual demise. And I, and I think that was – I don't think it needed to be eight episodes. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of chuffa in those early episodes. But as a sitcom guy, I did yes. enjoy, and I'm assuming you did yes. too. Their version of an '80s sitcom, the '90s. Very, now it's clever for you know the first five minutes of each episode. You're like, man, they really nailed this, and then it's like, oh, we gotta get into some bullshit about witches uh, by the end of it. But you know, I, I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that sort of time capsule sure. element of our our youth and pop I culture. did as well. Um, have you seen the Hawkeye show yet? Do I have to? I think you will. <laughs> yes, I think it's actually pretty good. I actually like that one a lot because I, I have a f that was their Christmas one, right? Yeah, I felt like that was that was their holiday thing. Yeah, okay. All right. And uh, that one actually has things to do with uh, the MCU because there are other characters coming in, and I, I dug that. Uh, like I just recently went through Moon Knight, and I was just so tired of it. And so it's like I think it's going to depend um, on also the multiple personality disorder. I don't know how much Moon Knight you know. I've read one series that I really loved because I, Jeff Lemire wrote it, and I'm, I'm just a huge Jeff Lemire stan, and it was great. But um, doing multiple personality disorder on film is after Fight Club and a few of these other films. It's hard to. Not top them, but do them in any other different way. Okay, so here's a, here's a really great cheat that they found out. So the character Moon Knight has multiple personality disorder, and so the the kind of the somber one, the uh, uh, he blacks out, and then like a few seconds later, oh, he's in a situation in which there's a bunch of people coming at him uh, to attack him, and he's scared, right? And then he blacks out and uh, wakes back up, and he's got like a knife in his hand, and everybody's dead around him. It's like, oh, that's kind of clever. But then they do it over and over to the point where, like, this is cinematically boring. So, <laughs> any anyhow, <laughs> back to Doctor Strange. Your, dis your disorder does not make for an entertaining superhero. <laughs> not so. at all. I can't connect it anyway. <laughs> I think it's going to depend on these shows. And I was really worried about – well, worried. I was interested into seeing how Doctor Strange did uh, in terms of uh, the box office. And apparently it's it's shattering records uh, just like all the other Marvel films. So maybe people will commit to some of these television shows. I think that's a cheat as well. I I don't I don't know. I mean, I think WandaVision was well received um in general. I, I don't 
I don't know about the the other ones, like because you, when you mentioned Hawkeye, I forgot that existed. So I don't know what sort of imprint that had. But <laughs> WandaVision, maybe because it was the first, and everyone had Disney Plus for That's the first right. few months at the very least. Um, but I I do tend to think that the financial success of this is that doctor strange is being treated as a sequel to the last spider-man movie oh uh, that's like, right oh, so we're going to continue on the multiverse um so i mean we'll see i look i can't talk too much shit about it because god bless sam raimi uh i did enjoy some of the raimi uh isms here uh his obsession with <laughs> undead versions of <laughs> hey, that was great like, sure whatever um two hours and six minutes for a marvel movie you were, you were a god among men, Raimi. Like, thank you for making this brisk. It didn't necessarily feel brisk at times because there's a lot of, man, of all, like, superhero movies are full of, like, expository dialogue. But when you get into the multiverse where you keep meeting other versions of characters and they have to explain themselves, explain the world, whew, it, it did feel uh, longer than I anticipated. And I also have to admit that I just have, like, an undying hatred of Benedict Cumberbatch. I just oh. think... I think this I think this generation of like English actors, um, they may have all the training in the world, but they started with absolutely zero charisma. And so every like attempted joke, <laughs> any sort of flirtation, I'm like, has Cumberbatch ever interacted with another human that wasn't on the stage? Like none of this reads <laughs> as as real at all. And I realize what we're talking about here is uh witchcraft across the multiverse. So it's not a realistic grounded situation to begin with, but He's just, he's terrible. This should have been, like, I, w I wish in my version of an alternate universe that this was Joaquin Phoenix as Doctor Strange. Uh, and then we would have been saved that terrible Joker movie. And he could have had fun with, with this character. Shit. He could have done his zany. He could have, Doctor Strange could go hide in a, a refrigerator for some time. Because he's zany and he's a, he's a wizard. You know, it would have been fine. By the end of the movie, I was hoping that Bruce Campbell would have been Doctor Strange. I think that would have been great mm -hmm. casting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, and that's the thing. It's like, I didn't laugh as, as at any of uh, the the quips that Benedict Cumberbatch is is thrown out, but I lost it at the end with with uh, Bruce Campbell's um, post credit scene. Um, I lost it with him interacting with him. Where did you get this? The music, you know, all that stuff is wonderful. And, and hey, some people got it and some yeah. don't. And I don't know why <laughs> why we as Americans with Hollywood like on our land we keep accepting english actors like oh they're better than us they're terrible they're trash <laughs> like him and eddie redmayne god just junk and we just keep handing them oscars too certainly when it comes down to it <laughs> i love how you just sidestepped my, my, like america first well, on, on acting well, because I, I, the thing is i feel like that could be a podcast all on its own because you know you look at someone like idris elba who was introduced to most of us through the wire and we don't even think of him as mm -hmm. uh, british because he just he mm, rocks i mean that's that's a good point. Yeah, he rocks that Baltimore accent yeah. perfectly. So you never know. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm telling you that that could be an episode all on its own. But here's why. Also, uh, look, apologies. Yeah, I like Andrew Garfield is my favorite Spider-Man. There you go. So you know what? Okay, there you go. Yeah. So th th there's there is some charm somewhere over in the UK. It's rare, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at, uh, you know, his, his performance in The Social Network was uh, stupendous. Mm -hmm. Even as, like, mm -hmm. I guess I guess you would call it dour. Like, I loved Silence. Uh, it was one of the few Scorsese films that I feel like doesn't mm -hmm. get talked about much. But he was asked to carry this very heavy movie. And uh, I think he did. Uh, here's what Doctor Strange comes down to. It's a bunch of nerd shit that 
Raimi loves. Like I grew up watching Xena Warrior Princess, you know, the stuff that Raimi produced. I'm, I I did watch Hercules, but I don't, now it's a block from my mind because Kevin Sorbo is a fucking, you know, right wing conspiracy theorist lunatic. Now I can't even like refer hey, to it. But Xena, for for a, a men of a certain age, it introduced us to lesbians. Oh man! So absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and I'm so happy that she's part of like his Spider Man trilogy too. Albeit just for that one scene, I was so happy. And so I grew up with all of that stuff, even Legends of the Seeker. I don't know if you ever watched it. It's, it's based on Terry Goodkind's uh, book series, Wizard's First Rule. <laughs> it's my nerds. <laughs> yeah, this, I'm really getting into the <laughs> But anyway, that was a short-lived uh, two-season series that Raimi also produced. I was like, this is awesome, witches and wizards and, and uh, Lord of the Rings-esque uh, uh, landscapes and settings. And that's what Doctor Strange kind of uh, reminds me of. And it's a, it's an idiosyncratic superhero film it just is like i think there's in, definitely enough of raimi's uh, uh in interesting camera movements we got to see professor x in that fucking chair finally he's been strolling around in a you know regular ass wheelchair we finally got to see like the hovering giant one from the comics and the to the tv show the animated tv show stuff like that i think raimi has a really great like a keen eye for nerdy stuff i think this is one of the better directed films because He's just having fun. Like, you can... Sometimes when a film is well-directed, I think you can just see it, and you can see how much fun he's having. Granted, he's not as invested in it as maybe, uh, you know, one of his earlier work, like uh, Drag Me to Hell, or um, any of his other ones where he... It's all him. I mean, he's definitely working within the parameters of what Marvel allows him to do, but I think he's having a ball. I really do. How do you... How do you compare this one to his work with Sony before there was an MCU? Because he was obviously was working with parameters in the Spider-Man trilogy. Yes. How do you think this one fares? Granted, there's probably a lot more love for the Spider-Man character than Doctor Strange. Yeah. And those films in particular were huge as far as, you know, they were the Marvel version of Batman 89 as far as like, oh, this, this can actually cross over. Like, we, you know, yep. you put a very recognizable IP and you do it um somewhat well i mean we don't have to i think you and i have done an episode on spider-man 3 before uh where we had a lot of fun uh gleefully dancing on, on raimi's superhero grave but <laughs> for the most part those are <laughs> those are well regarded uh how do you think this film compares to to what he was able to do with at least the first two spider-man movies i think that he because he grew up reading the uh, lee and ditko stuff like there's an obvious love of the character there that uh you can't replicate with something as well another leon ditko character in doctor strange i would say i would give more credit to ditko i think uh for doctor strange um i i think that he there was more of a personal attachment with the spider-man movies and you can see that and i feel bad for spider-man 3 because Raimi was trying to please a lot of different individuals and they were i don't know why he made spider-man 2 why did the studio feel the need to, like, Avi Aaron and all those assholes, why did they need to inject his film? Like, let the man do it. You gotta have Venom. Oh, God. He didn't want to do Venom, but you gotta have Venom. Which, you know, in, in fairness to them, the, the, the marketing early on, I remember all of us nerds were excited, like, black suit Spider-Man. Yeah. But, you know, if the f filmmaker himself despises <laughs> the central villain, yeah. uh, maybe just let him do Sandman and whomever else. All the all the cool Silver Age stuff that he was he was Exactly. Into. Oh, totally. I completely agree. When it comes down to it, I, I enjoyed 
all of the Ramiisms, and there were plenty of them in here. I understand that it is another. It's a cog in the machine. It's going to get us from one mood to the next. But there are some good stuff. There's good thematic heft there uh, for the characters. Because ultimately the film, when it, when you boil down, when you really boil it down to the essentials. You've got Wanda. You've got uh, Strange. Both characters who don't get what they want in life. There's a great moment where he's talking to Wong and he's like, you know what, like saving the world, you think that'll make you happy? And it really doesn't. And it really made me think about all the things that I've got in my life, the things that I consider that would make me happy, certain personal achievements like, oh, I have a career, I have this and that. But ultimately, the things that keep me happy are much smaller uh, in terms of scale than that. Uh, I got up this morning. I uh, really couldn't get to sleep because my kid was just not sleepy. So I'm up at four in the morning walking around, uh, making myself a cup of coffee. My kid comes down and she's, you know, she's got all her stuffed animals and she's coming down the stairs like, hey, what's up? And, you know, she's like, good morning. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> four in the morning, kid. And uh, she's she's real, you know, excited. And I was like, you know what? I just bought her this new puzzle. Like, hey, you want to go do a puzzle? And she's like, yes, I can do a puzzle. And so we sat down. And did a couple puzzles, uh, one with like a uh, um, like a little sea theme, an astronaut theme, and then an ABC puzzle. And we did that for like an hour, and that gave me more joy than, you know, so much of the things that... Necessary sleep. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? I, we did all that, and it got her to sleep. Like she was... Uh, she was kind of winded after doing three whole puzzles. What a clever ruse <laughs> from Papa <laughs> Webb. And so... That's ultimately what the film boils down to. And I did uh, uh, get emotionally invested in Wanda, just wanting to have her kids back. I, I, you know, again, as a parent, I can relate. So there's... And I, with zero kids, hated <laughs> I hated every bit of that because I kept thinking, where is Vision? This movie? I watched the fucking eight hours of WandaVision and, you know, that, that resolves as this... Uh, like lost love story and it's like oh yeah probably because through contractual contractual obligations they couldn't afford or couldn't get a hold of paul bettany so vision doesn't exist in this <laughs> in this evil quest to find kids not even in the the nice part of the multiverse where everything's worked out right visions at work or you know just whatever it doesn't matter because uh i'm a you know the, the mama lion now and i have my my two cubs Here's my problem with the web. Uh, I felt like it was. It seemed resolved in one division because that has to be its own thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it's like ten minutes into Doctor Strange two, and she's like, "Actually, I've conspired with this this devil magic, and it will get grant me the kids that I created." And you know, Doctor Strange multiple times like, "You just made those kids up." You made them up. And she's like, no, no, no. In this movie, they exist. There's another multiverse. Didn't you know that? And it's like everyone in the audience is like, oh, okay. I guess. I guess there's. It's Raimi nerd <laughs> shit. Mike Raimi nerd shit. Just... <laughs> it's also coming off of Black Widow where they make a huge deal about our, you know, female heroes. Um, so we've got different, you know, the two most prominent, I guess, female members of the Avengers. In that film, the big big tragedy is that the Russian spycraft super soldier program has robbed them of their ability to procreate because they can have no attachments. There, you know, it's just for the cause. And here, WandaVision <laughs> saves the planet a few times, 
but because she doesn't have children, she's going to start killing, maiming, and destroying like life until people give her child. I don't. What well, it's a common trope that it's like if women can't give birth, that they are some sort of a broken toy to be discarded. And in this case, like they can't handle their emotions. Like Doctor Strange, his his big thing is he doesn't get to fuck Rachel McAdams. And not only does he not get to fuck her, I guess he just doesn't get to fuck her anymore. In any universe. Like, man. Man. Uh, Scarlet Witch, I've got my own beef too. I don't get to have sex with that anymore. Like I once did, but I don't anymore. And that's what I have to live with. And hers has to be, you know, we don't even mention Vision. We don't mention her lost love or the possibility of children. It's the fact that I don't have those kids, of those exact kids. Mm-hmm. What? What? Why is that? The, like, that will completely cripple a female superhero is their inability to be a mother. I'm not totally on board with the messaging of messaging of that as someone who is very anti <laughs> anti-child and i think like for the safety of our planet if, if you want to be a superhero stop having kids that would be, that would be a good heroic act right now i agree with you there certainly are bro. and you know it might be because i don't go into these movies wanting i i guess that level of uh thought and that level of um care put into maybe those and, and it sucks because these these are the movies that most people are watching they're going for these films well i mean for the most part it's the only right they're, they're watching right it's the the cinema for dumb fucks as we've established. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay well how do you think the movie plays to a general audience if dr strange like his evil version or, you know, the, cause you know, the little bit of spoiler, but you know, in the multiverse there's, I mean, it's in the trailers too. That there's like, you know, a dark Dr. Strange you're going to come across. Um, his big cause is like his, he, he goes down the wrong path only under the guise of saving the world. That's his starting point mm-hmm. is how do I save the world? And he goes too far. Like a mad scientist. Wanda's is, where are my babies? If I don't have babies, right. then I'll destroy this planet until I have babies. Do you think that people would be as forgiving or as interested? Uh, would they just fly past if Doctor Strange said, I'm going to turn bad until I can have babies? Until I'm a father, I will destroy this planet. I don't. I just don't think we ever see that from the paternal or the masculine no. side of it. And. I, I don't know why, like even Elizabeth Olsen in interviews, I, I think she got a uh, question like, hey, where's Vision? And she's like, well, when you become a mother, you know, your kids are your most important thing. So that's, and <laughs> I was like, you're just like hook, line and sinker into this, this philosophy. And I hate all of it. I would, I would have loved to seen the version where Dr. Strange says, I want babies. And until, until I can be Arnold Schwarzenegger and junior, then I'm going to wreak havoc on this planet. <laughs> That's the Raimi Dr. Strange we should have gotten. But, I mean, you know, even with uh, the character America Chavez, like she's all, I mean, while female and powerful and all that stuff, like ultimately she's a, a blank slate of a character. She's just a- almost like um, the MacGuffin that gets the story going. And, mm-hmm. and she, and so uh, she's barely a character there. And this got, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Like, just in passing, oh, she's got lesbian mothers and she's, uh, you know, Latinx or, or whatever. It's like they've got these Something check marks. Something that could easily be uh, 
easily be cut out when they want to go to international audiences sure, that don't. Sure, They can just cut that scene. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you. I don't think uh, major audiences or the people who are really going to see these films are going to uh, care that much about it because they're going to go see this. They're there for the spectacle, the, um, the lights, all the uh, Harry Potter uh, glow sticks. And, uh, you know, uh, we, and then, uh, the other half, you got like the nerds who was like, I, I, I don't know if they specifically said it, but is that, Sh- uh, uh, Shuma Garoth in the beginning? Like, is that who he's fighting? Do we really just see Black Bolt? And finally the nerds who've wanted Krasinski as, uh, Mr. Fantastic. Do we really get him? That's all, like, you know, that's the other half, like the, the nerds who get to kind of enjoy that stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he was in it and, and we've got those awesome little, um, uh, uh, cameos because Raimi's essentially trolling people like oh you like him we're gonna kill him all right now Agent Carter I've been wanting mm-hmm. to, I love Agent Carter I think it's a really cool concept and I'm glad he was able to kill every single one of them I don't foresee Krasinski to come back I think it's just gonna be a one off thing here oh, really? I think so that doesn't seem like the Marvel playbook at all it's like this has to tease another property that has to, <laughs> you know two years in the making I I would say it's safe to say there's no more Peggy Carter because once she get like an ABC series and it's like, that's good enough for you. Like, and I'm sure I, I didn't watch it, but I'm sure one of the episodes was her inability to have children. Just brought her to her, <laughs> her knees. Well, you know, it was before the uh, Marvel studios uh, came in and made those uh, Disney plus shows. Cause even like agents of shield, I got, I sat through like five episodes. I was like, this ain't Marvel. Shut the fuck. I, I, I mm. could not handle that crap. And same with Peggy Carter. Didn't watch the inhumans, uh, season no, or whatever. Nope. Not at all. Uh, so uh, yeah, they, they never seemed, it was always, they always felt like TV shows. Whereas the ones on uh, Disney plus, they seem like a little more because the production value is higher and they are very much canon, uh, in that, that they will affect the movies as we saw in Dr. Strange. Um, whereas like <laughs> you can watch Agents of shield and <laughs> you really aren't missing a much if you decide to skip them because you can go move right on from one movie to the next. And, and especially with Peggy Carter, uh, TV show because ultimately, yeah, they uh, it all happened before, and so the continuity of the films it all happens much after. So, yeah, it's all before, before her heroic act of accepting semen and her place in the world. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was, I'm telling you, this I will not let this go. Like, when She Hulk comes out, it's probably gonna be about is she gonna have a baby or not? Like, Jesus Christ. Man. Um, all right. You know, on that uh, transition to motherhood, we actually have a film that tackles that and probably in the, not the most glowing uh, of ways um, because we have um, A24 coming in the picture. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now, you may only see a pile of receipts. But I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. What's happening? Everyone, I'm not your husband. I'm one of the 
solution from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. Wow, that looks really good. He's waiting in the wings. The universe. He speaks of senseless things. Is so much bigger you than you realize. Of all the places I could be, I just want to just share with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. No way. I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. All right, well, for all of my complaints of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You did send me some texts of raving about everything everywhere all at once, and I think I responded, I thought it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so all of my talk about Marvel is the death of cinema, and then you can point to the financial and critical success of this recent release from, uh, I believe they are credited as the, is it the Daniels? The mm-hmm. Dan's? I still... Found myself thinking like, yeah, that was pretty good. I think it's <laughs> it's quite a bit better now that I've seen Doctor Strange. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so about a month about a month ago, <laughs> I didn't know what I was in for, uh, especially in the the summer movie season. But the main thing before we get into the sort of the more serious aspects of the film and the um, I guess grief one can have uh, even in their their own seemingly uh happy life where you have people that are that truly do care about you how you can still have those those valid feelings of regret and sorrow about the past not taken before we get into all that the multiverse is a lot more fun in this movie than in doctor strange and that that was my biggest takeaway from you know you mentioned the cameos you get in in doctor strange too but as far as exploring the different worlds Here's a dark world where um, sad, sad, strange has glorious beachfront property and a staircase to the, <laughs> the heavens. But he's still sad because he he's, <laughs> he can't fuck Rachel McAdams anymore. So that's that's consistent. Um, and you have the lights. You go on red instead of green. Right. Like they don't really explore the multiverse at all other than introducing characters who presumably – You've either seen before or it's a preview of a character, as in Mr. Fantastic, that you'll see in a movie down the line. Whereas Michelle Yeoh gets hot dog 
fingers by God. Like <laughs> you get all sorts of shenanigans in this. So I now have to go to Letterboxd and bump this up at least a half star because the multiverse is much better in this film. But you raved about this in our text message that you were quasi kind of obsessed with it. So was that recency bias like coming out of the theater or is it stuck with you weeks later? Like, are you still as high on it as you were coming out? Still high on it and watching uh, Dr. Strange. Like, it's not a knock against Dr. Strange, but uh, like the more I, as I continued watching Dr. Strange, I was reminded very much of everything, everywhere, all at once, all the more, because you're right. There is having more fun with the multiverse and to the point where I was like, oh, third eye and Doctor Strange, just like the third eye in everywhere, everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, once again, like uh, a symbolism of, of like in Hindu mythology, the third eye is a, a window into like uh, of being good and, and having wisdom of enlightenment. And so it's like the imagery used in everything, everywhere, all at once is just so much more fun where they're using like the googly eyes to do it. Um, it's more inventive in the different multiverses, the multiverse where there's, excuse me, the universe where uh, life wasn't able to uh, be formed. And so they're just rocks. Uh, the one, and they even have an animated sequence where there's like an animated, a universe where they're animated. So it's like, it's having way more fun with it. And ultimately I think the, issues that you're having with the female characters hopefully they're resolved because i think they are more dynamic in everything everywhere all at once and it i think starts with the cultural heritage aspect of it um in a asian cultures uh right off the bat when she is having that first initial flashback where she's first put into the multiverse the evelyn character and the what's the first thing that when she's born her father's old uh, you know we're so sorry it's a girl and it kickstarts uh, the the character development right off the bat, um, and then you also have the progressive nature of these cultures and of the newer generation. How do we become better, uh, more accepting, more tolerant of individuals as new information, new cultures, new lifestyles are presented to us? Like we live in a time when uh, the LGBTQ community has to f fight these, you know terrible fights that i'm just like it's frustrating to see why the whole concept of live and let live even like at, at its basic you don't have to celebrate it if you don't want to but it, like some of these things have nothing to do with you i have no idea why these individuals uh crusade against you know these lifestyles and so and it's very it's interesting isn't it from the uh you know particularly from the more libertarian uh side of the uh coin which you know really only extends to uh, stay out of my business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not yours. Uh, also, see you know the Supreme Court's uh, I guess upcoming decision as far as Roe v. Wade. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's bad times. That's why uh, drink your Doctor Strange two medicine and try to, <laughs> try to not think about it. Everything to distract you from what's actually happening in the real world. That's why. <laughs> Don't worry about the plot holes. It's it's witches and it's wizards uh, and it's all – again, nerd shit. The nerd shit will keep us going through all mm -hmm. of this. Uh, you've got um, the passing of the relationship from one generation to the next. Evelyn has a turbulent relationship with her father, Gong Gong, I think, and – she disobeyed him in this specific universe uh, and she went to um, go be with her husband and, and kind of abandoned her family and 
because of those failings, I guess almost in 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 her father's eyes. Her current relationship with her daughter Joy is like just as fractured. Like she's really learned nothing from her own relationship, and she's passing that all down. There's and the the title, everything, everywhere, all at once. It's it's really what it, it's an assault of wonderful themes and wonderful stories. And these characters that it's hard for me to break down in just one. Like as much as I want to keep talking about one specific theme that meant something to me, I'm constantly jumping all over the place because there's so much here. So everything from the relationship to the characters to how even the information, there is a lot of exposition in this film. And there has to be. There has to be. Uh, But the way that it's rolled out there, it doesn't feel like uh, it's like oh we're just getting exposition. It it there's moments where you're getting information about the film and about the universe, and then it's interspliced with the rest of the really great filmmaking that's happening. Um, okay, I, I, well it helps when you have Jamie Lee Curtis uh, badgering you like, are you paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> like, <just Yeah>. Jumping in. <laughs> um, I think it's a credit. Uh, to the, I guess, the characterization, both from the performance and how it's written of uh, Wayman Wang, um, as having high energy when you're dropping nonsense on the audience. I, you know, I attacked Benedict Cumberbatch for having almost zero <laughs> energy when he's being... Now, I guess, in fairness to him, most of the time, something is being explained strange, and they, they attempt to have him riff off of it, which... You know, I, I don't think anyone was thought that worked. Um, I my my biggest takeaway from it, in comparison to something like Doctor Strange and the, the views on the multiverse, there is that uh, I think that this film, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, has the courage where it wants to, like you know, most I won't say it's a feel good movie, but it's it's to pull the the heartstrings little bit it's 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 definitely uh playing with your your emotions the the sort of exuberance of life and the, the sorrow as well and everything in between um you know there there are glimpses of what evelyn's life could have been yeah. and <laughs> from my view and everything we've gone through at the point i'm like yeah maybe maybe that would have been better because you wouldn't have jamie lee curtis like badgering you and maybe in the the hot dog fingers world she just wants love and she wants to give love and be loved and it's like so that world looks better uh, i'm thinking specifically of the sequence where it looks like financially our lead couple things have turned out better for them they've done the the outside they are more they're considered successful mm-hmm. people whereas in the, the you know the what would it be the 616 you know the marvel uh jargon the the universe the the, the quote-unquote normal universe right. one that we start with um they do not appear successful either financially. They have this laundromat business um, that is failing. That's where Jamie Lee Curtis comes into the picture and uh, the familial relationships are not good. Uh, they don't seem particularly close uh, with their daughter in particular, the, the mother and daughter. There's something there. There's a uh, combativeness uh, that's there. And you already mentioned the father uh, who's just this hovering presence of disappointment <laughs> that he, he's the one that gets to witness that we live above a laundromat. Uh, we're not in good financial uh, means here and no one seems to really like each other, uh, including the joyous husband who I also think the film is brave enough that while he is 
maybe the most likable character because he's the one that will lead you along to this world where we can fix things. Like you, he's going to present like you, you were, he's the quest giver. Um, <laughs> he's also kind of like annoying in in a way that it's like, if you can look at it from Evelyn's eyes, like I, I, maybe that's my personal bias. Sometimes when I feel like things suck and everything's falling apart, I don't want someone to tell me like, no, it's going to be better because X, Y, and Z uh-huh. that may happen. I, I want you, I want you to be like, no, this fucking sucks, man. Like just, just for a second, just <laughs> share the suckiness with me right. and then we can move forward. But if you can't acknowledge the problem, then I don't want to hear your solutions. If you're just like blowing past it. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I mentioned that Dr. Strange being only just over two hours. This is actually a longer movie. But the pacing, like, it feels so much faster. Like, it probably feels like a 90-minute movie, mm-hmm. and it's, like, 220, um, because it is relentless to a point. I do think that probably where I started to fall off was towards the third act, they have to double and sort of triple back on on some points, like, in, in different versions yeah. of the characters. And I didn't like. I enjoyed the probably first two acts so much because it's just go go go. There's urgency, uh, even though there's it's... motivation, and uh, yeah, the, the it feels like the stakes are very high, and which is weird because mm-hmm. every Marvel movie, every stake is super high, <laughs> and, it's, and for a while you get numb to it, and because everything is <laughs> right. everything everywhere is grounded, it feels much more drastic when things do get crazy i think that might be why well think how think how long we spend in that uh office complex where they go to meet jamie curse that's most of the film yeah. and it doesn't feel that way and dr strange yeah we're in this we're in the, the sad strange universe we're in the red light universe we're in this that we go we cut back to earth we go to the temple the scarlet witch temple it feels like we're never moving forward. And this one, for the most part, the setting is exactly the same, but it just, it feels like there's a relentless energy to it that are like, it's actually sort of similar. Did you see Swiss army man? I think that's the, the Daniels previous film. I didn't. And now I'm going to have to go back and watch their other work. This is my introduction to these uh, guys. It's, it's similar in that regard in that the, the location is, you know, it's a very stationary movie. Uh, but it doesn't doesn't feel that way because <laughs> because of the and you know they you know there's a little bit of a joyful sort of immaturity in their films. I mean that by God that one the the plot I'm sure on IMDb it's about a man meeting a farting corpse. <laughs> so I mean that <laughs> play, played by Harry Potter that sounds really abrasive, but they somehow managed to to turn that in both films. Uh, around where you really want to hang out with these characters, including a farting corpse. Uh, I was just happy that um, you have some actors here on display that probably have not gotten the opportunity to play these type of richly comical and heroic roles Mm -hmm. um, that we we see. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was was a hit 20 years ago, yeah. like a rare crossover international hit. And I believe that Michelle was in, was she in a Bond movie? I think she was. I believe Tom- Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay. But hey. I get a lot of those confused. She she was also in Crazy Rich Asians, which, uh, you know, was a banger. And then. Oh, is she the. Uh, the, the mom. The overbearing yes, mother there. Exactly. And hey, she was in Last Christmas, which also very financially successful. So she's been she's been on fire, There's baby. The shop shop owner. Yeah. <laughs> um 
Yeah, there's a little bit of personal bias there from, from Webb, and it's not as fandom of Michelle Yeoh. Hey, hey. That. No, she is wonderful. <laughs> and this is her best work. And I love Crouching Tiger and a lot of the stuff that she's done. And this is the most... But Last Christmas? Well, I mean, you know. What? Uh, Oscar snubs <laughs> across the board, Mike. <laughs> um... There, there's two things I wanted to really uh, definitely touch upon. And one thing that you mentioned about feeling shitty and just you need to feel that way. I was very much reminded of a season one episode of The Simpsons. And I feel so bad I can't remember the title because I consider myself something of a Simpsons uh, fanatic. And it, it just sucks when, when I can't hit you with all there the trivia. Is. This episode brought to you by Disney+. Plus. Continue, <laughs> Web. Go ahead. Uh, in the episode, it's a, it's a Lisa coming out party episode. It's the one where she's really highlighted and she's not in a good mood and she's feeling sad and nobody in her family can figure out why. And specifically Marge, Marge is worried. She's like, oh, I was a kid and I, I, when I get sad, I was told to just be happy. It doesn't matter. Put on a facade, go out there, pretend to be happy and you'll be happy. And Lisa just can't quite do that. And by the end of the episode, Marge kind of breaks down and has that moment where she's like, oh, man, you know what? You be sad if you need to be sad. If that's what you need to be, then you do it, and we'll be right there with you to see your, to see you through whatever it is that you're going through. It's okay that I don't understand uh, what you are feeling. All I can do is just be there for you. And it was a really powerful moment. And at the end of the episode, uh, you know, the whole time she's like, you just got to smile, smile more. And then Lisa's smiling after Marge tells her that. And Marge's like, well, you you know, I told you, like, you don't have to smile. And she's like, no, I want to smile now. And I was like, oh, man. And there's a lot of that going on in this film. Uh, how many of those, like, tweets do you see? Like, I don't know who like these influencers are, but they're like, you know, feeling like depression is not real. You just need to man up and and, and lift some weight. Stop being such a pussy. Like, see, I see a lot. <laughs> I see a lot of these. <laughs> These kinds of uh, tweets from the individual, and of course, you know, a bunch of people retweet them. Like, hey, that's not cool. And it's like it. it does... <laughs> I'm not giving you the reaction I want because <laughs> first, depression is not real. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. Right. <laughs> Lift some weights to combat it. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Sounds like some Marvel multiverse bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> flash your glow sticks, you'll be fine. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of those. To follow some of those it, It's so much more complicated than just to get over it. You know, and I think this mm. film uh, tackles that. God, just get over it. It's the last refuge of a person with like no answers. Just like stop doing that. It's like you don't understand. And so the joy character. Well, it's a, it's a reflection of their annoyance with you. Like yes. you're making me feel bad. You're harshing my vibe. So will you please stop? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which you know, as <laughs> as you, if you're a listener of uh, Trilogy in Theory, uh, we did a, a recent month on threesomes, and in our wrap up episode. <laughs> Web and I came to the conclusion that when we feel that way, we just don't respond to people at all. You don't have to, you don't have to engage. It's healthy just to ghost people. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> That's my superpower. Ignoring others. <laughs> um, Joy is feeling this way. And granted, there, she's given reasons why she's feeling this way. Um, and it, it's so interesting to see Evelyn's reaction to that and she just can't understand it and i think by the end she she does she gets she finally like kind of figures that out because again in in that alpha alpha verse uh she pushes her to the edge and then this specific evelyn like our evelyn i guess like i don't want to say the normal one just because it's like it's it's just the one that we are introduced to uh where like you can say the rock one is not the normal one. <laughs> right. i think that's fine <laughs> right 
I think even the rock would accept we're not the normal one. <laughs> uh, and so Evelyn, like she pushes herself too far, just the way that alpha Evelyn did to alpha joy, creating Jobu Tapaki. There's a lot going on in this film, <laughs> but I like that. I like that. She puts herself through exactly what she did to her daughter in the other universe. There's a great level of empathy there. And then also with that is kind of the futility of everything and that over, or the overwhelming pressure that society, you know, impresses upon every new generation. She, uh, Evelyn, uh, kind of has to deal with the fact that her daughter is extremely nihilistic in, in all these universes and she can't quite understand why. Like, feeling small and stupid and, like, pieces of shit. And I love the Rock universe where, like, yeah, well, you know, uh, who knows what next discovery is going to make us feel like even bigger pieces of shit. And just finding those small moments... <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the the little bit of optimism that Evelyn's husband brings in. Um, even, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is is pretty, you know, the antagonist throughout the film. And then in that last moment where she's like, you know what? I, I remember getting the, the, the papers for my divorce as well. And it's amazing how you find these bits of information where like you can relate to somebody who you never thought and find and that's what life is about you know ultimately yeah it's all kind of shitty but you find these moments uh and and i they and i love that it's kind of reinforced through the wong car Wai segment like the, the, where you mentioned where they're both financially successful filmed very much like that i i have to imagine mm -hmm. that's where the, in, in the mood for love um uh, visually uh, vi uh, borrowed from this film is just all of that. Everything, everywhere, all at once. It really does give you that. Very few titles live up to, you know, what they are promising. And I feel like this one does. Uh, and I don't think that I've cogently or I, I haven't articulated myself well enough. Um, I feel like I could go into each of these themes and write uh, an essay on all of them. But uh, there's just too much, too much there. I think the con the the fact that they're all together all there is is so overwhelming it's it, this movie is just it's, it's about life i i don't know what else to say man like it's just i was really I, uh, taken with it i mean i i definitely enjoyed the <clears throat> the allusion to in the mood for love um uh, mainly because <laughs> in that universe, uh, there's no children. <laughs> yes. I mean, there are, but not with our main characters. I'm like, that, yeah, that is the sexy one. I know they're sad right now, but uh, they don't have uh, glimpses um, <laughs> into living above a laundromat with your hateful father-in-law <laughs> and your daughter that also despises you. Um, but the I, I would put this more in the vein. This is probably like an out there... Uh, comparison to Crazy Stupid Love, um, it's an action sci-fi-ish version, but it's one of those things where it's it's meant to to bring this various group of characters, primarily set around this one family, and shenanigans ensue, and in very like sitcomish fashion. Because as I mentioned, the sort of amateur humor, hot dog fingers. Um, you know, turning people into various like silly things, even though you you're wiping them from existence when you're doing mm -hmm. it. Um, I, I, I think it's one of those crowd pleasers. I, I don't know if it's, it's not the normal crowd pleaser. Like when I mentioned crazy, stupid love, you have Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, Julianne Moore, Steve Carell. It's all sort of like 
like oh okay yeah we're supposed to go see that this week that's the date movie uh but i can only say anecdotally that the reaction i you know it was a packed crowd for this on saturday matinee which i i did not expect and mm-hmm. being the pa- people hater that i am i was like uh <laughs> i don't go to the a24 movie <laughs> to share it with other other people but the reaction that was had to it like it, i felt like people were you know they were moved they were laughing uh they were thrilled by it it was it's as close as you get to sort of like an old fashioned, like movie in that regard, uh, that that's probably why I go back to crazy, stupid love, which is over 10 years ago. And I'm like, wow, even that feels like a relic mm. of, a, of a time gone past. Um, I will say though, in, I have to admit that <laughs> and this is, I guess a modest spoiler for everything, everywhere, all at once conversation. You know, you and I've already had over text. Um, when the, uh, butt play, was introduced yeah. as a trigger for a power. <laughs> I did feel some discomfort in my crowd. Like, ooh, <laughs> we were with the hot dog fingers, and we're with this mother daughter relationship. We hope everything works out for them. But, <laughs> but then when people are shoving things in their ass to, <laughs> to trigger a super saiyan power, um, I could feel people like some were tittering. Like, do we laugh at this? Is this fucking serious? I, How are they going on with it? Yeah. Oh, can and, you imagine um, if if that segment wasn't censored? <laughs> like they went for like, nope, we're gonna mm-hmm. go rated X. <laughs> I mean, I think you and I would be for it. I, oh yeah, I think that they wisely felt like we may be pushing the general public as far as we can. Um, I I I enjoyed all of that. I enjoyed that people are checking this out that probably wouldn't normally. Yeah, see. like you know, the Northman came out and that thing tanks, which. I I have to admit, sometimes I I am surprised by uh, general audiences because I would think like, oh, revenge movie, a uh, uh, hot blonde dude going to kill somebody because Ethan Hawke told him to. That's going to be more financially successful, right? It's just Gladiator, mm-hmm. except uh, Robert Eggers. But I would not expect uh, hot dog fingers and butt stuff yeah. to be moving people to tears and having people laugh in the, in the crowd. It was, it was nice. It was a nice experience. I will say- That's why I gave it three stars. <laughs> <out of five. laughs> I will say, uh, uh, I didn't, I don't think this is a perfect film. Uh, there, the only issue that I had with it, uh, came from a filmmaking level. Like a lot of the fight scenes, uh, the frame rate goes up and down depending on what's happening mm. on screen. And this was, Immediately noticeable, but uh, even more so recently, I watched uh, Drunken Master 2, which is Legend of Drunken Master actually here uh, because of just the way that sometimes those Asian kung fu movies come. Oh, here goes Webb trying to make me feel even more white. I'm like, this reminds me of Crazy Stupid Love <laughs> with all these beautiful white people and their problems. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, specifically only for the fight scenes because Jackie Chan, uh, he is, uh, you know, the, the film isn't directed by him, but the film opens uh, with like a Jackie Chan film because he is doing like a lot of the stunts and a lot of the, all the stunts and, and all the fight choreography. And everything that is happening on screen in terms of the fight scene is there you are seeing it all there are very few if any like fast cuttings like you're everything you're seeing is what's happening and you can tell that he's the one getting his ass whipped or he's the one doing these amazing things and so watching modern films tackle fight scenes is always frustrating because you watch something for two seconds it cuts to a different point of view and you're not seeing everything and you're not because and michelle yao is is a brilliant martial artist she's she's so talented i would have loved to have seen more of uh just her and and take a step back and let 
the camera just sit there and watch it. Uh, we see a lot of um, hard cutting, fast cutting, high low frame rate. It, it was just a little jarring. That's literally the only negative thing I can talk about. But, but the thing, again, it's like I have to search. I have to search this film. Wasn't everything then, Webb? The title is erroneous. <laughs> uh, it's time to. Well, no, it's not because you get everything, even some bad. So <laughs> saved it. <laughs> <laughs> nice cover. <laughs> Yeah, I I I I'm shocked that uh, it was critically and and, and crowd wise like it seems like the audience and the critics are all kind of on the same page, uh, you know, barring your opinion. But for the most part, how about this? Everybody is reacting to this film fairly positively on uh, either mildly or very. I, I have not seen anything that's just like this movie stunk, and here's why. I just haven't seen that, and I'm thrilled. And at the same time, a little annoyed because I like to be the person who's championing the <laughs> the not so great films. But that's okay. Every once in a while, a film comes along, and uh, I, I like that most of us are on the same page. I don't know if I feel comfortable with uh, you uh, comparing me to uh, is it Armand White <laughs> who gave like Toy Story three a negative review? Yeah, <laughs> and the internet lost its mind. Which even that was Jesus, that was over a decade ago too. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I guess uh, we can always count on Mr. White to uh, to be the minority report, to be the, the lone voice of negativity. Uh, although, I think in fairness to him, I think he's the lone voice of positivity, too. I do remember there was a, a Hugh Jackman movie, uh, like, with the, like the punching robots. Uh, oh, real steel. Like, he was, like, building them with his son. <laughs> That's sad that you... <laughs> He knew that um, he was a big fan of that movie, so he he was a big fan know, of Joss Whedon's just... uh, Justice League. So he thought it was the you know next best thing since sliced bread. And I love sliced bread, but I know that that movie was no sliced bread. So uh, yeah, hey, Armin White. I mean, you know what? But I'm glad that he's there. We we need <laughs> sometimes we all need a good villain. So you can listen to me play the villain on Trilogy in Theory with Webb uh, every every Wednesday. Uh, I actually don't. I actually think when we record those, I think you're the villain more often than not. Really? I feel like I'm. Yeah, I feel like I'm uh, less uh, likely to attack uh, our trilogies because I always want to say that no, we're geniuses every month. <laughs> that you're the one that wants to question <laughs> whether or not our trilogy is effective. So yeah. You you can uh, be the black hat to my my white hat on that show. I, I'm the fly in the ointment. Glenn Close isn't that hot, or whatever it is that I'm thinking of <laughs> that specific week. Handsome. That's what you said. <laughs> Glenn Close is handsome. All right, this is a bad promotion for the show. It's a very sweet <laughs> look at movies. Usually very enthusiastic, as long as Glenn Close is not in the picture. Uh, so yeah, give us a listen over at Trilogy and Theory. Uh, you can follow uh, Web sometimes at Web is trying when he's yeah <laughs> he doesn't deactivate his account um but yeah uh, mainly listen to our podcast and don't send web any messages i think that's the <laughs> message <laughs> i won't even respond 